What are some things we could do? Some can't be done. We could start the podcast. That can be done with a little John Cale. This is Connecting the Classics, a radio hour where myself, Will Hagel, and my co-host, Lee Robinson, pick two classic albums and discuss them with tangential references and connections, Kevin Bacon style. We discuss... But you, the listener, know more than I know. What albums you pick today, Lee? Feels good to be back. I fired with Shakira, someone who we've never talked about before. Um, and I just did it again. I'm blanking on the name. It's Los Ladrones. Um, the th- the th- Where are the Thieves is the English translation. <laughs> Lo, uh, Donde están Los Ladrones? Thank you. Is it, I don't know if that's what it's called, but that would be that my translation. Yep. And this is her second album, I believe, before she really blew up. Uh, yes. I read on Wikipedia she was compared to Alan- Alanis Morissette, so I love that comparison off the jump, someone we've talked about in the past. But why did you pick this album? Uh, exactly what you just said. It's kind of her moment right before she becomes big in the US. I think her next album is the one with all the like famous hits that we know um i read on wiki too she like literally learns english after this album because she's ready to launch like her u.s latin crossover career mm-hmm. so yeah cool moment in time i guess if she only would have named this album where is what is it where's the bathroom <laughs> where are the thieves yeah where are the thieves then she would have been famous a little bit earlier but no i think she's obviously known for being someone who crosses over like spanish language and english i love shakira never had gone back i didn't realize she learned english so late though yeah me neither because she's colombian right she's colombian looks like she actually lived in new york city for a minute okay so she's pretty um you know all over the world she's spanish as well as lebanese so oh yeah because i was reading there's some like middle eastern influence on this album as well which was interesting yeah uh, but uh, I was just going to say real quick, Shakira, I remember watching some like MTV Music Awards where she was dancing and I was like probably pretty young, but I was like, damn, Shakira's hot. And same. I said something where I was like, why does she make me feel weird or something? And my <laughs> aunt was like, you'll find out when you're older. <laughs> That's so good. And I still haven't found out. I still don't know why. <laughs> so listeners, write to us at connectingtheclassics at gmail.com. No, but yeah, Shakira is awesome. I always loved Hips Hips Don't Lie, Undisputed Classic of when I was in high school, which is also when I was listening to my pick that I fired back to that we'll get into more after Shakira, but it was Deltron 3030. Awesome pick. So much to talk about. Um, I don't know if you want to give a quick summary of why you picked it, but we'll launch into Shakira. Quick summary. It's just one of those Undisputed Classic albums that I listened to in high school, discovered it then. It came out in, I think, 2001 or 2000, sorry. And 
kind of first of its kind in hip hop, not necessarily first, but definitely unique for what it was. Colla collaboration between three artists that we'll talk about in a bit. And I recently, a couple months ago, just it popped back. Like I, it was one of those albums I had in my iPod back in the day. Yeah. And it recently just like popped back into my mind. I was like, I should start listening to that again. So I just started listening to it again. And then I wrote an article about it for passionweiss.com. Go read it if you want my extended thoughts and not my rantings. So I've been listening to it a lot lately. But yeah, a lot to get to. We'll get to it. Full disclosure, you sent me an article. I didn't want to read it. I wanted to hear it fresh from you. So I don't know anything you said in that article. But listeners, you and I can go check that out after the episode. All right. Sounds good. All right. Launching into Shakira, I think there's plenty to talk about Deltron, so when we get to your pick, we can do that. Uh, I went with No Creo. I don't think so. It was the English translation. Did or we pick I don't the same believe. song? I might translate it as I don't believe. I don't believe. True. All right. This one I thought was a uh, great Pensar, mix of I would sort say of that stink. sound. But that's just what? what my Spanish language teacher told me in high school. I would say pensar means For to think. think, and crear means to believe. To believe that's fair i don't but, believe you know translation is an art and that's just what my high school teacher told me while i was listening to deltron on my uh, ipod in class hey, you know more than i know i couldn't even say the title of the album so yeah all right, all right launching in I was also thinking perfect karaoke song if anyone needs a Spanish language karaoke song. I really hear Alanis more sad on this. Yes. So like as you're saying, the song's kind of about being disillusioned by the world and the only thing that she believes in is her love with her lover. So it's all about, you know, sort of classic love song. Uh, favorite part is when she says to Boca. So we'll get to that later. Is this harmonica here? A little harmonica. Playing it with to, to Boca. <laughs> Quick Shakira background, you know, she starts her career Colombia and South America, uh, working with Luis Ochoa, uh, and that connection actually gets her hooked up with, uh, what's the guy's first name? It's Gloria Estefan's husband, who's like a huge producer who's done, like he launched Ricky Martin's career and uh, Enrique Iglesias. Emilio Esteban. So this is her first album with him. And I think like we were mentioned at the top, this is kind of getting her set up for her US career. Not to be confused with Emilio Estevez. Yeah. <laughs> Mighty Pugs. 
Captain Polka. Why do you like that part? I don't know. I've just never had another word in it, or a word in another language sound sexy. <laughs> right, best part. Polka. drums I definitely hear the Alanis Morissette comparisons but I think the way the song's set up it ends up being kind of like a dancier definitely ballad. yeah so do you have a personal connection to this album or to Shakira in general uh, actually similar thing to you she definitely was one of my first crushes I remember that whenever wherever song was huge uh-huh when we were kind of coming of age uh the belly dancing another reference to sort of her lebanese oh uh, wow i never even thought about that um she was known as the belly dancing girl in her like grade school but uh yeah i just thought it'd be fun to kind of i didn't really know her career prior to the u.s like hips don't lie and whenever wherever like phase mm-hmm. so i thought it'd be fun to give it a listen yeah and she is like hugely popular around the world too i feel oh yeah which is like i was gonna say it feels like she almost doesn't get enough credit but i wonder if she does and i just am not paying attention yeah it could totally be the u.s bubble like she didn't exist until we heard her yeah or like she was big here for a bit and then she kind of faded away Uh uh-huh but uh all right great pick i really like the album a lot more than i expected so everyone go check it out shakira shakira's got hits Donde están los ladrones? <laughs> uh, but all right. So talking about my pick, Deltron 3030. This is a group that features Del the funky homo sapien rapping, Dan the automator making the beats, and Kid Koala doing the scratches. So it's kind of a trio. The backstory leading up to this, um, Dan the automator teamed up with Prince Paul for Handsome Boy Modeling School in the late 90s he also did like i've the main reason i think this album is interesting is it's like dystopian sci-fi hip-hop which has uh in the subsequent years has become much more of like a thing with shabazz palaces like lp a bunch of other people and at the time it was kind of unique and especially coming in 2000 when everyone was panicking about y2k like the matrix yep. was popular and there's all this kind of like cyber punk technophobia too technophobia and futurism that i think is still relevant today but it's almost like you know the stuff he's talking about on this album is like predicting this terrible future because it's set in the year 3030 yeah dystopia but it's like and he's talking about computers and viruses and all that sort of stuff, but it's like it almost got worse than he could have even predicted. You know what I mean? But so Dan the Automator also worked with Cool Keith before this on Dr. Octagon Ecologist, which is like another sort of genre fiction, but it's more like absurdist horror than dystopia. And I'll try to do this faster, but just for the full backstory on Dell, who we've talked about before, he debuted in 1991 with I Wish My Brother George Was Here. He was actually Ice Cube's cousin. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't, no. So I guess Ice Cube had like a lot of kind of creative control over that first album that he didn't agree with. Obviously, 
uh, Dell is from Oakland. Yep. And Ice Cube's from LA. And Dan uh, the Automator's SF. Yeah. So Bay Area Connection. And then Kid Koala's from Canada. Oh, that's funny. hilarious. <laughs> I don't really know what he did. I, I just know he scratched on the album. Um, and I think probably performed live. And they actually, we are Evergreen Podcast, but they actually reunited this year and have done like a handful of tour dates performing this album. CTC, keeping the finger on the pulse. Shakira Day was about two weeks ago. Wow. Evergreen. Anyways, 1993, Dell put out No Need for Alarm. And then he started working with hieroglyphics and kind of went independent. And then 2000, he put out, April 2000, he put out Both Sides of the Brain, which had If You Must on it, which was a huge hit. And then he put on out Deltron 3030. And then he was on Clint Eastwood with Gorillaz, which Damon Albarn is on Deltron 3030. Yeah. And I think the opening and closing. And there's a lot of like skits. And speaking of skits, let's just launch into this first song here. Quick wait, one. Wait. I'm, letting you, I'm letting you cook here, but I, I got some uh, hot takes for you that I want to. Okay, go ahead. I feel, unless you want to launch in, we could talk over it. But Let's do this like... one minute song and then let's okay. get back to talking. We, the people want music. I keep my dreadlocks in a napkin ring, rap and sing. Unlike Eat Cleophis, Randolph the Patriarch. Earth tones, birthstones, and erogenous zones. The more ticklish, the more you have. Sitting on the curb of what used to be the verbs, and before that was Canarsie. I'm a disturbed and bitter herb like salt water and parsley. Mites crawl up, tights fall down. That's my mnemonic for stalactite slash stalagmite. You may have this maglite, it survived the apocalypse, and for the fragile force of an agile horse, here's a handful of very special chocolate chips. So when I was listening to this, I'll let you go on your rant, but I didn't know in high school that that wasn't Dell. I thought it was just Dell rapping in a goofy voice, but it's actually yeah. MC Paul Barman, who's like kind of a goofy white yeah. rapper. Yeah. Uh, I always love that song because it's just so random. Go ahead. No, I love that one too. Um very sounds like very bay area to me i don't know why but that brand yeah. of hip-hop um what i was going to suggest or like propose to you is you know you've gotten a lot of acclaim for your uh book you wrote on mad villainy and i was listening to this album and thinking about it and i was like wow this album should get the credit that mad villainy gets uh from kind of the hip-hop community uh, in that it was sort of the first version of a mad villainy type album and i would even almost argue the execution as like a concept album they call it a rap opera it's almost better than mad villainy i think in a lot of ways mad villainy kind of stumbled into the project that it was Mm -hmm. uh and this was very much like a high art concept piece that like a lot of people in hip-hop hadn't really done in this sort of collaborative uh you've got this you know producer and this rapper who both have a lot of uh you know success in their own lanes and they come together so I don't know, yeah. throwing that to you. No, definitely a lot of parallels. And when I was working on the article um, where I wrote 3,030 words on this, wow. um, and then some of it got edited down, but <laughs> the original draft was 3,030 words. Nice. And I was, and then it got kind of like, you know, relatively big response of people like sharing it and like talking about how it's a classic album. Yeah. And so I was like kind of thinking I almost should have written a book on this instead but i definitely think someone out there should you should Um, i mean no reason you can't yeah i mean i already wrote my 3030 words i don't need to write anymore okay but oh go ahead yeah i was just gonna say and like doing research and looking up some like oral histories and things that they've done it is super interesting and 
I feel like part of it, like you were saying, it was kind of a high concept album. Um, in one of the interviews I read, Dell was talking about how he took 13 years before between the first Deltron 3030 album and the second one. And he said like he wanted the second one to be more written as like actual sci-fi thing. So he was like studying um, sci-fi literature, whereas like he's he said the first one kind of sounded like techno babble. Which I always saw that too. It's like it's not really a followable storyline. It's kind of like he'll just say kind of sci-fi words and then rhyme them in like multi-syllable syllabic, multi-syllabic, yeah, rhyme schemes and stuff. And it sounds cool. And it all of that adds up to this cool world where it's you know this futuristic character named Deltron thirty thirty. Everything's controlled by a monopolistic corporation. It's like the tropes of dystopia and sci-fi, which also I feel really appeals to like adolescence for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Dystopia, because it's like at that age, you're kind of finding out you, you think everything is authoritarian, you know, like school, parents, whatever. And like in dystopian fiction, you kind of get the hero who rebels against it and overcomes it. Um. But yeah, uh, what's your backstory with this album? Well, I was just going to also add that uh, we hadn't mentioned track six, St. Catherine Street, actually has um, Peanut Butter Wolf on it. Oh, yeah. Has a feature. Weaving webs to Mad Villainy. So I definitely think its fingerprints are all over Mad Villainy. I would just had never really put, put it together. So yeah. just thought that was interesting. And this is the opening song after the intro 3030 but just gonna listen to a preview of this and then get into my main song yeah i guess i wasn't even thinking that it predates mad villainy but they were also kind of working on mad villainy at the, around the same time i mean yeah maybe 99 is pretty early yeah or like 2000 it's also different because i wouldn't say mad villainy is like dystopian sci-fi Another no, album no. I really got into was LP's All Sleep When You're Dead, which came out in 2007. This is just to give an idea of how it opens. Like, this kind of production, too, is so different than what Dell was rapping on previously. Yeah. That's where the meta is mad villainy to me. True. I want y'all to meet Deltron Zero Hero, not no small feat. It's all heat in this day and age. I rage and grave anything it takes to save the day. Neuromancer, perfect blend of technology and magic. Use my rapping so you all can see the hazards. Plus entertainment where many are brainless. We cultivated a lost art of study and I brought a buddy. Automator, harder slayer, fascinating combination. Cyber warlords are activating abominations. Armination with hatred, we ain't with that. We high tech archaeologists searching for knickknacks. Composing musical stem packs that impacts the soul. Crack the mold of what you think you rapping for. I used to be a mech soldier, but I didn't respect orders. I had to step forward, tell them this ain't for us. Used to be a mech soldier, didn't respect orders. All that so stuff good. like that. It's like, but uh, you gave me a sneak peek of what song you're going to pick, which I think is one of the best songs on the album. I've already played two songs, kind of, but. 
I want to launch into another song that I remember thinking was great at the time because it taught me what the word papyrus means. <laughs> nice. And I have a specific memory of saying what does papyrus mean and my friend thinking I was an idiot and telling me. The shitty font. <laughs> is it? Global controls papyrus, have yeah. to be imposed. This is and virus. A governing body will be created to enforce them. Crises precipitate change. <laughs> Secretly plotting your demise. I want to devise a virus to bring dire straits to your environment. Even that, I want to devise a virus to bring dire straits to your environment. Like, just using, like, big yeah, words somehow so makes it just so much better. Corporations with a mild touch trash the whole computer system and revert you to papyrus. I want to make a super virus strong enough to cause blackouts in every single metropolis because they don't want to unify us. So fuck it. Total anarchy and can nobody stop us. You see, late in the evening, fucked up on my computer and my mind starts roaming. I also feel like that line, too, it's like you got to remember, yeah, 99, 2000, people weren't using computers like they were now. But exactly. when I was discovering this album in like 2006, 2007, it's like, you know, up late at night, fucked up on my computer and my mind starts roaming. I feel yeah. like it like spoke to our generation. Yeah. Create like a heathen. The first cycles of this virus like a sin through a modem. Infiltration hits your station. No Microsoft or enhanced DOS will impede. Society thinks they're safe when bingo hard drive crashes from the rending. A lot of hackers tried viruses before. Vaporize your text like so much whiteout. I want it where a file. The last thing I'll say real quick is um, I when I was listening to this album, I, I couldn't help but think, you know, when I was making hip-hop in my earlier like in my 20s i wanted to be mad lib and i realized that i was ultimately more like dan the automator Ooh, why just the style of beats that he does i didn't really ever listen to him that but you know sometimes you aim for something and you end up being something else what would you characterize like how would you get to dan the automator you know what i mean i'll just let this play in the background like how how am i like him yeah just I think the way he he samples and built his like drums and I don't just a lot of similarities I thought. Or how would you characterize the difference between Madlib and Dan the Automator? I guess. How would you contrast him? Yeah. I think Madlib's kind of a a genius in a way that it's like so unique. It's really hard to do his style. It's also more like natural, maybe. Whereas I could see Dan the Automator being like very meticulous and calculated. Yes. Yeah, he's very much more structured and rooted more in kind of a old school methodology. And Mad Lib's like soul, like channeling the fucking uh, universe and just yeah, he's just like yeah, playing it live and I don't know, he's just on his own plane. But that's why too, it's like comparing it to Mad Villainy. I feel like that's almost why Doom and Mad Lib work so well together, is because they were like almost just channeling music from another dimension but yeah. then they'd also kind of go back and edit it and they had like very like similar sensibilities in that regard like almost punk whereas yeah. Dell like even just from Dell's lyrics and the fact that he studied sci-fi for 13 years after this and stuff it's like 
more it's not as loose even though it is loose in a way i don't know it's like and maybe i'm talking to my ass here but it's like trying to be the best at something versus madlib and uh doom aren't even trying to be that thing yeah there's this like ref re refinement and precision to dell and dan automator styles and it's like they aren't even following those rules like they're not trying to perfect them they're doing their own thing yeah i can see that Kid koala. <laughs> yeah. Scratching. It does add a lot, though. It really does. I always assumed Dan the Automator did the scratching. Uh, I read online, though, that he pivoted to become only a producer after, like, a bunch of younger kids were coming up in the SF turntablism scene, like DJ Qbert. Mm. He was like, screw this. I'm going to just yeah. be a producer. <laughs> it also is interesting how much of, like, underground hip-hop can be traced to California, even if you might think of New York first, just like hip hop in general, I guess. It's another thing like Mad Villainy and that like, with Mad Villainy, it's like not using a hook and like just doing like short bursts of songs is like commonplace now. Yeah, but it wasn't at the time where it's like this beat right here was it almost sounds normal now, you know, totally. So it's had that influence over the years. Um, I'll pass it back, though. Nice. Loved the pick. So much to talk about. Uh, maybe we can talk a little bit more with my pick later on in the episode. Uh, so we left off Shakira. One thing I forgot to mention. So the reason it's called Where Are the Thieves is she when she was writing this album. I think she was on tour and uh, someone stole her luggage, which had a bunch of her lyrics in it. Damn. And so she had to rewrite a bunch of songs because she couldn't remember them. Just like the rumor is someone, not going to name names, but someone stole uh, Doom's lyric book. And yeah, there you it go. Back. So we were talking about Shakira. One thing I didn't realize, so she this this album's 1998. She's 21 at the time. Damn. You will You will know for people in our generation, she goes on to kind of have a resurgence in the sports world because she oh. marries Gerard Piquet, the famous defensive back from uh, Barcelona and Spanish national team. Didn't she have a World Cup song too? Oh, she did have Waka Waka. You're totally right. Yeah. Um, so I didn't realize she's 10 years older than him. So kind of scandalous there. Whoa. Um, Sounds like my high school Spanish teacher. Yeah, behavior. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But got me thinking of a more recent example of football and football mixing with music. We've got right now Travis Kelsey, best tight end in the NFL. Okay. Dating Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Launching into Taylor Swift. Trouble. Nice. And uh one of We want to get the Swifties on the podcast. We're just like the NFL. We're shameless. So one of Shakira's other, uh, one of Shakira's other like criticisms is she sounds like a goat. Um, so that's the other connection here is that Taylor sometimes sounds like a goat. Well, at the at the end of that song when she was going like, ooh, ooh, ooh I could hear it. Oh. <laughs> I 
Oh my god, Taylor's on Connecting the Classics! And there she is, folks. What is it? All right. <laughs> well, this is fake out. This is uh, Taylor Swift Goat Remix Edition. They've got the oh screaming goat sliced into her uh, chorus. Amazing. No, we're not going to do Taylor Swift. That was just uh, good old meme music. One of my favorite Smoking types mirrors. of music. Yeah, you always get me. We're talking about singing like a goat. You and I have talked a little bit about animals and music on Recorded History Music Podcast. By the way, didn't that sound like the goat of producing Skrillex? <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's good. It works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're talking about animals that sing. And in my research, I actually learned about a new animal that I didn't know has music or sings. And that is mice. Mice and rats actually sing. They sing at a frequency that humans can't hear. Shit. I feel like that's part of why humans don't think about them as animals that can sing and have music. And then when we try to kill them, they're like, we're just performing uh, Cats, the musical <laughs> we wrote. It's a very scary musical about an evil breed of animals. All right, go ahead. So instead of playing, you know, a real over-the-top song like Taylor Swift's Trouble Remix, we've got just a modest mouse singing drama mean, launching in modest mouse. We haven't talked about that before. Drama, uh, just like a musical that a mouse is performing. Wanted to pick this because when we were talking about Captain Jazz and uh, American football, thought this sounded a lot like that. This is 1996. Off the album, this is a long drive for someone with nothing to think about. I'm just now hearing those webs because I always liked this and I liked like the more emo stuff, but I never realized they're doing what they were doing because it they do it in a more indie-ish way, I guess. Or like I can't, it's I can't describe like it. Post, I think it's a post-rock influence. Yeah. Or like math rock, post-rock kind of. Because I'll, I'll agree with you, I think this stuff's a lot better than a lot of the other stuff they ended up writing. I mean, I like Modest Mouse a lot. I think it's just the singing. Yeah, his voice can get a little annoying. No, I like it, though. But it's different than, like, emo, I guess. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure we haven't talked about Modest Mouse. That was actually my first concert. Uh, it's kind of like my first band where I thought about music in kind of an independent way. I remember I did uh, a bunch of extra work all summer to get money to buy their CD. 
and then went and saw the concert for that CD. It's a very which, much... What, which one? The one with Float On on it? Yeah, yeah. A good, yeah. good news for people who love bad news. Yeah. So that's 2004, 2005. I still um, remember when I was 16 listening to Deltron, and I got my first car from a family friend, and they were turning it on to show me how it worked, how the car works, and they had their uh, iPod plugged into the tape deck, and yeah. Float On came on. Nice. I still like that album, but everything after that is kind of crap. Yeah, I don't really know much beyond that. And then I always remember this album. It was like 50 Cent. It was like uh, one friend in particular I remember, but it was like 50 Cent, you know, had good Get Richard I Trying, but have you heard his first album? And that's like Modest Mouse. Have you heard this album? Because it's different and it's cooler almost. Yeah. And even Deltron, because it's like people were coming to him from Clint Eastwood or If You Must. And then it's like, oh, have, but have you heard Deltron 3030? You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that doesn't happen as much anymore with the instant access to entire discographies. Totally. Yeah, people hop genres and artist discographies so quick, so quick right now. Also, I'm just realizing how much I like this. So I'm going to have to listen to this, listen to this album again. Nice. Like, I just love this style of music where it's like noodling guitars and then yeah. you got one kind of lower and then one comes in higher. <laughs> Not very funky bass. I think the only other thing to say about Modest Mouse, the main guy, Isaac Brock, I think he's had some Me Too allegations. Ooh. He kind of seems like a jerk, but they, cool made name, some, though. they made some great music during their time. Especially, you know, mid '90s, early 2000s. Um, really love the drummer though, Jeremiah Green. Does some great beats, including this one. Um, we could probably do a Green episode. Oh, that'd be fun. There's a lot of Green in music. Um, last thing I was gonna say though is the name Modest Mouse comes from a Virginia Wolf passage. Oh, wolves! Wolves, mice. And then uh, talking more about my singing, I forgot to mention that they do duets, which is pretty hilarious. Who does? Mice can do duets together to try to woo a female. Like two guys. We'll sing together. And then they team they up to, on her or they fight. They're just trying to woo the female. Yeah. Just lure her over. Yep. And then who does the deed? I, unclear. They didn't get into that part of the article. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's just like music like a lot of dudes will start bands just wingman. to get girls yeah wingman be a good like animated movie mouse wingman who just has a perfect voice and always is wooing them over but they don't want to have sex with him damn a little reverse effect Alright, we should just use this for our Midwest emo band. Loop this. Nope. Get fucking Dell on this. Alright, pass it back. Iborg! Uh, I got it. Iborg! <laughs> Alright, I love that pick. I talked over too much of it, but I want to go back and listen to that album. But going back to Deltron, let's just launch in. We're, get, we're not done. We're going to hear another track. That's how good this album is. Nice. Madness. But this is just leading me into my next connection. Yo, in the year 
Um, I always love that. In the year 3030, everyone wants to be an MC. Everyone so wants good. to be a DJ. Um, but just thinking about dystopian hip hop, dystopian music. There's a Wikipedia page for dystopian music, which is like Frank Zappa, Joe's Garage, Rush, 2112. David Bowie, Diamond Dogs was, I guess, inspired by 1984. He wanted to do a musical adaptation of 1984, starring mice, actually, little known fact. He wanted it in, so the audience couldn't hear it because the mice were singing at such a high frequency. <laughs> it was very high concept art. But yeah, I, I do feel like for hip hop, this was one of the first to really do it on a great scale. But let's fast forward to the, I love this madness. The hook here. So this is a group who the sample there. I don't know. Did you look at look them up at all? No, it sounds like some San Francisco like flower pop kind of thing. Close. It's actually it is flower pop kind of psychedelic music from the 60s, but they're actually from Canada, like Kid Koala. Wow. Uh, called the Poppy Family. The singer is Susan Jacks. So on Things You Can Do, another great song, uh, they sample the Poppy family, and then it's also sampled on Madness. Um, so I'm going to launch into my song here, if it loads. And I'm going to launch into my song here, uh, just straight sample connection. This is the Poppy family of Cities and Escapes. I live in a one-room apartment Nice With windows on one side I stare through the glass across the water To where the big, ugly city lies I hear it, I feel it, I read it with my eyes in the crowd of the city a life I despise I hear almost some Nico on here Bell underground and Nico oh yeah wake with the groan it's the phone what news can it bring Shh, sounds like Deltron wake with the groan it's the phone what news <laughs> can it bring lies crumpled on the floor politics and war politics and war so i love this song like ballad of melancholy ballad sitting in the apartment looking at the city so good i think i remember something i don't quote me on this but i feel like i read that she was living in New Jersey and staring out at New York. I might be completely wrong about that. Um, but she talks about like the big metropolis. I'm talking about the city metropolis, one of the first sci-fi dystopia films. I think it was German from like the twenties. Yeah, don't yeah. quote me on any of this, but I also feel like Deltron 3030, he's got some songs about like the city on there. And there's something about just like a giant 
techno futuristic city. <laughs> I don't know if you got any thoughts about like, like you never see a techno futuristic movie in the country. Yeah, I think there's that inherent uh, assumption with technology kind of being in conflict with the natural world. Yeah. And even like the concept of a city, I guess it's kind of an ancient concept, but it also, I don't know, it feels like one of those things where a city is like, you have to kind of trust everyone, but you're also skeptical of everyone around you. I guess yeah. that's just humanity. Edit all this out. It's also a mixed race group. Ooh. They at least have one black guy. And then obviously female singer, so aggressive for its time. I bet Dan the Automator is going nuts when he listened to this for the first time. Oh yeah. Definitely, yeah, I guess growing up in San Francisco, probably Dan the Automator was exposed to a lot of music like this. But I really wonder if Kid Koala had any influence on him using this as a sample Canadian band they're from Vancouver yeah maybe super cool stuff the poppy family just like Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey <laughs> very pop but I'll pop it back on over all right, we're talking about Modest Mouse. Band name comes from Virginia Wolf Passage. I'll read it to you real quick. It's kind of one of those things, though. I don't know if you've ever read Virginia Wolf, but it's kind of hard to understand what is trying to be said. I wish I could hit upon a pleasant track of thought, a track indefinite, or excuse me, a track indirectly reflecting credit upon myself. Those are the pleasantest thoughts and very frequent, even in the minds of modest mouse colored people who believe genuinely that they dislike to hear their own praises. That's crazy. Yeah. But I had no idea what, uh, what you just said, but so even though this is attributed to their band name, there's actually a Russian composer by the name of modest Masorgsky. Mm. So there's also theories that they took the name from that. Hmm. I'd never heard of him. His name is Modest, which I guess is a Russian name. Well, they have a song too, Bukowski, right? Yeah. So I feel like they're they were known to be very like literary. So it wouldn't surprise me Virginia if it's from Virginia Wolf. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Definitely uh also in terms of like what I think of Isaac Brock, his personality. Yeah. Um so Modest Maskorgi is a late 1800s composer, most famous for a couple tracks, but A Night on the Bear Mountain um, is a classical piece that you know ends up being used in Fantasia. That's at least how I recognized it. Um, but instead of playing the sort of classical version, we're going to launch into an artist we have not talked about who was one of the pioneers of electronic music. Japanese composer Iseo, Iseo Tomita. This is his cover, A Night on Bear Mountain, all with synthesizers. Oh, the instrument of the future. Mm. 
when you said right. pioneer of electronic music. I thought you were going to say the goat, Skrillex. Going to say what? Would you cut out? Yeah, I'm glad you didn't hear me. <laughs> okay. All right, launching in. Also, you've been watching a lot of scary movies. I feel like with the synthesizers, instead of like violins and stuff, it sounds like it could be on a horror soundtrack instead of mm. Fantasia. sounds like a horror a horror movie that takes place in an arcade yeah right this is 1975 by the way by the way check out Emerson Lake and Palmer Karn Evil 9 another dystopia 29 minute song So Tomita is kind of on the cutting edge of using synthesizers, kind of like a Mark Garson. Uh, you know, he's obviously in Japan, and he's kind of a niche thing what he does with the uh, classical covers. So I don't think he gets as much credit as some of the other people. Is this a classical cover? Yeah, this is that modest Muscogee. Mus, 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 and it was Sorgsby. used in Fantasia. Yeah. But not written for Fantasia. Nope. I think Fantasia is a lot of just used, like uh, using classical pieces. I don't think it's all any of it's really original. I gotta rewatch that. It's been years. Anyways, I thought you might find this interesting. A mouse musical Fantasia. Talking about mouse. Mickey. Now this is interesting. The dynamics on this are nuts. I'm really having a hard time keeping the levels. <laughs> and it's what classical music's all about. Just like Pixies. So my other thought with this is, you know, this idea of we're taking, you know, classical pieces, playing, reproducing them on synthesizers feels like the beginning of ultimately where we're at now, which is AI generation of music. Right. Um, you're taking analog sounds and then entering them into something that ultimately will become digital. I mean, I know synthesizers themselves in the 70s were analog as well, but you know, we figured out how to make synthesizers digital. Now that I'm thinking about Mad Villainy 2 and thinking about synthesizers and what you're talking about, because people will call Mad Villainy a postmodern album. Uh huh. And like the era of postmodernism and music, and you know, even just this doing a techno cover of classical music. Yeah. And yeah, like everything, like essentially humans are fusing with computers. Yeah, technology. And yeah, fusing with technology. And I forget what I was going to say about it because my brain is dead because I watched too much TikTok. 
All I want to say is never let a computer tell me shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well. All right, we can pass. I guess I, I was just this was no, I was just thinking about it. but I guess it's <laughs> no, no. I, I'm trying to think of what I was trying to say. I was gonna say something about Deltron, but it's not anything I really haven't said before. But I'm I'm curious. I guess your thoughts of because I guess I was thinking like the postmodernism, what early 2000s, where maybe Deltron's talking about the future, bad villainies taking from the past to create the present that then is still echoes on in the future. To quote my book, I said something like that. <laughs> but uh, what are your thoughts on, not on music and AI, but on just the future of music? I mean, in what perspective? Are right now, what's the future of music? Or well, I guess it's like something like this is like, whoa, there's this cool new stuff, the synthesizer, but I'm going to like reference the past and this is showing you the future and Deltron's like maybe more bleaker version of the future where it's like oh if we keep progressing the way things are going now the future is going to be total shit and so I'm wondering it's not a really good question but just the way music's going now what do you foresee for music um I view, if we're being real kind of like the inevitable is a deconstruction on the music industry the way we know it at least Mm-hmm. I think but we're already is... seeing hints of it, but I think it's going to be much more localized. I think, you know, people will be able to do a lot with very little in a way that they'd never done before. Like they could just think a song almost. Yeah, yeah. it'll be like, there'll be macro mechanisms to allow people to make music very quickly. AI, what if we I mean, get think a... of coding, think of the way they use AI to assist coding. Mm-hmm. Imagine when you can use AI to help you make music. I mean, aren't they already doing that? They are, but it's not as accessible and it's not as like exciting in a way that I think it could be. Right, but it will be soon, probably. Soon, by yeah. the time this podcast comes out, it's pretty gimmicky right now. I guess is what I feel like. And I think yeah, it'll actually yeah. be a tool to help people make some pretty interesting stuff. What but if we get a hear a brain chip that lets us hear the frequency of mice? That would be sick. <laughs> we finally get that mouse musical i'm telling you listeners look it up it's pretty fascinating another study they did was talking about uh they put female urine in the cage and they noticed that the songs got louder and more complex from the male mice whoa how did they track it they just tracked the waves sound frequency. yeah they recorded it and then they lowered it so they could hear it crazy because you slow Almost it down like they're sampling it to... chopping and screwing it like Dan wow. the yeah if you record it and then uh slow it down you automatically lower it so we could theoretically we could do this ourselves yeah totally nice as long as i guess your mic has you know mics have a certain cutoff of yeah. frequency because i think they're designed for human ears i'm just thinking this is the future of music like you know mu- everything's been done we got to make this brain chip music. That we can, yeah. <laughs> so, so that you can hear the mouse frequency. Or we make music for mice. <laughs> uh, humans hate us, but you should, whenever we start playing, like a hundred female mice suddenly come and Lee and I are duetting. Which quickly turns into 200 <laughs> mice. Yeah. 
Oh, good stuff. All right, I'm going to pause Tomita. Anyways, super important figure, especially in hip-hop culture, as I'll get to in my next connection, a lot of sampling with his music. Love it. Love the pick. I'm all over the place. I'm techno-babbling. All right. But we left off with, you characterize it as Flower Pop, San Francisco of the Poppy family. So you were right with Pop. Wow. But this is another song that's kind of in the same vein uh zager and evans you heard of them no little duet a couple micey boys <laughs> from america <laughs> uh and this song is called in the year 2525 so another year here and predicting the future um wikipedia straight from the source of wikipedia uh, the describing the lyrics, they go through the millennia. Millennia in each, each succeeding millennium of the lyrics, life becomes increasingly sedentary and automated. Dan the Automator talking about everything wow. becoming automated AI. Great thoughts point. are pre-programmed into pills for people to consume. Eyes, teeth, and limbs all lose their purpose due to machines replacing their functions, and marriage becomes obsolete because children are conceived in test tubes. Wow. Launching in in the year 2525. In the year 2525. Nice pick. In the year 3535, ain't gonna need to tell the truth, tell no lies. Everything you think, do, and say is in the pill you took today. Alright, I'll give you the episode. In the year 45, I guess this was parodied on Future Omelet, too. Nice. Funny though. You won't find a thing to choose. Nobody's gonna look at you. In the year 6565 so I guess they're um, the only artists to ever have a chart-topping hit in both the UK and the US, and then never have another single for the rest of their career. True one-hit wonder. Wow. But, as you might be reading on Wikipedia, their follow-up single hit the Canadian pop charts, so Weaving Webs to Canada. Kid Koala. Kid Koala, I didn't even think. Animal. Wow. We don't plan this! Take a drink, Gordy! In the year 95, I'm kinda wondering if man is gonna be alive. He's taking everything this old earth can give. And he ain't put back nothing, whoa, whoa. Now it's been 10,000 years. 
man has cried a billion tears for what he never knew. Now man's reign is through. Before this ends, I just got to say one more thing. This song was recorded in one take in 1968 at a studio in a cow pasture. Cows, animals. But through eternal night, the twinkling All right, of that was minus five, minus five. So very far away. I just lost the episode. only yesterday. In the year 2525. If man is still alive. If woman can survive, they may All right, I got the plot of the musical. It starts off yeah. with this. It starts off with some humans listening to this song in a big city, dirty apartment. And then it slowly fades in on a hole in the wall and you go in the hole and then there's about two mice listening and they're like, (laughs) (laughs) they're like pretty good, but too slow and low. (laughs) And then (laughs) it's uh, two mice named um, uh, Zager and Evans. And they do a cover of this and they become a one hit wonder of the mice community. Nice. All right. Pass it back. That was a little cheesy. I'll give you 2,525 points. Thank you. Real quick. The last thing uh, Wikipedia said is the, the theme of the song obviously is about a world doomed to overdependence on technology while neglecting the unchecked exploitation of the earth. And that struck a chord in millions of people around the world in the late 1960s, which I think we see again today. And I'm not going to go into it, but I feel like we're living through the 50s, the equivalent of the 1950s. We're living through that right now. Maybe the 30s. Pass it back. All right. Taking us home here. Talking about Tomita, I alluded to popular artists for sampling. To a quick little taster, we were listening to A Night on Bear Mountain. Here is, and that's B-A-R-E for anyone curious. Mm. This is Jay Dilla. Night on Bear Bear Mountain. I'd like to have that with Shakira. (laughs) And this is Guilty Simpson with a beat by Jay Dilla, sampling the song we listened to before. Wow. Sounds like a ghost. So kind of been setting it up all episode, but Guilty Simpson, Jay Diller, kind of my crossovers to get us to the Mad Villainy comparison to Dan the Automator and Dell. So I agree with you in that they're both kind of doing similar things. I don't know if one's necessarily copying the other. I just was surprised in that they were first to sort yeah. of the sound that I think Mad Villainy gets a lot of credit for. What is the sound comparison, I guess? I, I don't know if I'm fully hearing it. Uh, maybe it's less about sound, more about the meta of, like, the fans that it attracts 
and the idea, like I mentioned, of a producer and a rapper collaborating on an album, creating a new persona, that's sort of a concept album for Mad Villainy, but definitely concept for Deltron. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that, in terms of sound, I guess the, the meta of it. Even uh, when I posted the article, someone commented something about how Damon Albarn has been trying to make Deltron 3030 for the rest of his career. That's amazing. So I think there is something to it in that, like, I think a lot of people were kind of doing similar things around the time, like even, yeah, Dilla and Mad Lib, for example. Yeah, and Dan the Automator. Yeah, but so it's kind of hard to say, like, if one, if they got there first, it doesn't necessarily mean they thought of it independently and everyone else copied them. It could have just been, like, the greater zeitgeist. I feel bad I'm talking over this because I like this a lot. But the greater zeitgeist of the late 90s, like, I feel like yeah. people forget and younger people don't know how Y2K, like, people literally thought the world was going to end. Yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think it's uh, copying. I, I just, I'm just surprised they're not mentioned in the conversation more. Yeah, no, it definitely is underappreciated. But, you know, we got our finger on the pulse, so we're going to reanimate it. LA versus the Bay. And that's how the album ends. It says, finding out we were coming back. We were always coming back. And there's a lot of like themes of time and the past, present, the future. Sorry, quoting my book again. <laughs> Yeah, I think it is worth noting just how crazy uh, the year 2000 was in 99. Yeah, I mean, you just had this insane surge of technology, both in music and society. And it almost seems uh, like funny and not funny, but like we just we couldn't predict how weird it would really get over 20 years of technology. You know, it's like yeah. weirder in a different way, weirder and worse in a different way. Also, to quote my writing from the Deltron article, but it's something I stand by and I'm curious your thoughts on it is like, I think I said something like in 2023, the most dystopian thing is that everyone believes they're in a dystopia for a different reason and they're right. Yeah, that's good. It's like everyone's kind of got their own dystopia and it is a dystopia in their mind whether or not it actually is or not. And it's all relative dystopias. But I feel like that's why this style of music can really appeal to people because it gives you that sort of cathartic release. Yeah. I think you're right, though. And maybe... Yeah, there's something with the almost in flaw in, in humans in that we find the things wrong yeah. so readily. Even like we're an evergreen podcast and not going to get into it, but with current events going on now, I find myself like walking down the street and everyone on social media is like chiming in, arguing. Yeah. Even Riverside that we're recording on took us has side in a war that's going on. Wow. You saw that. But yeah, it's definitely high profile in a way I'd never, I guess I could have imagined. But and then I, I guess I just always, whenever something like that happens, because it happens like a new thing every week, is. You know, I look at my own surroundings and even if you're living in like complete shit, it's like 
is it a dystopia or is it not or is life just kind of a dystopia i don't know i got one more pick though all right i'm going on a run here oh because like dell says we got artificial life forms who bite songs impenetrable incontestable indigestible intelligence never let a computer tell me shit yes that is one of the best lines on the album very very relevant still yep i've seen people say dell saying people thought he was like a soothsayer nice and he was like i'm not check it out yo this is probably the best song on the album. Poppy family sample. Underground chilling with the mole man. I was going to say, you're cutting off that line so good. Chilling with the mole man and the mice, singing duets. <laughs> yes. On, wait, real quick on that line, though. Another, I'm quoting my own writing this whole episode, but that was one I plucked out because I'm like talking about the techno babble yeah. and how just that line in particular is so random and it doesn't necessarily tie to like a broader story, but it does fit in in the universe that they've created. I feel like that too. Now I'm just, it's clicking in my head the click track of the synthesizers clicking in my head. And I'm realized what mad villainy and this album are both great at is just simply world building. Yes. And like revealing little details without having an outright story. Whereas like mad villainy is a obviously comic books, superheroes, but it doesn't tell you like they've, they fight the hero now or whatever. You kind of paint the picture in your own head, which this album does too. Woo! Glad we finally got there. Yeah, we definitely got there. Mole Man living underground, chilling with his whole fam, and the mice are there. <laughs> and his whole fam inhibit bacteria growth, material mice growth. and men. That's the name of our musical. Never let a computer tell me shit. It's rapid innovation, penetrating artificial life forms who bite songs. I'm a biobex lies next. Then I'll flip the biotech right into the wireless. Your third eye is hit with psoriasis. The mightiest Deltron zero traverse and purse the travesty. The area of distribution lifts the clueless. My flow is like liquid oxygen. Rip it off it with specific impulse. Increasing thrust. Unleash a cluster of thoughts I muster. I talk to touch and rush a commercial cluster of thoughts I muster. Energy into imagery in the mind's eye blind. The contagious with radioactive isotopes to decay them. Atomic mass, they small as fragments. I magnetize the avid lies. My radiation shield reflects, rejects Decepticons who take the truth for stretch it long while I bless the song. Next level, incredible metal melt. It's also like kind of like Wu Tang when they were using samurai yeah. uh, stuff where he's like, my radioactive shield deflects. And stuff where it's almost like bragging just using this sci-fi terminology. Yeah. That gives it a... So it's, you know, not out of nowhere, but it's cool. Yeah, I think you nailed it with world building. That makes me think a lot about successful hip-hop and, like, I think sci-fi, comic books, all that is built on that idea of of immersing people in a world. Yeah, and the best world building, in my opinion, isn't, like, 
there is a place called or there you know like there's a place called Mystropolis, which is the name of new name of our musical yeah. and the mice live there it like tells you what you you figure that out through like better writing i guess <laughs> i don't <laughs> yeah, know if that yeah. makes sense the you know whole what, I mean? what is it uh it's screenwriting it's show don't show tell. don't tell yeah even just sampling that i remember that blew my mind i'm like things you can do some can't be done so i'll have to sit to you off air but my first beat i ever made is weirdly sounds a lot like this nice i sampled a uh, simon and garfunkel song sound of silence maybe Hell yeah. Use the same drums and everything. It's So do you have a personal connection to this? No, honestly, no. I, I knew like 3030 because that's the big one. But I never really sat down with this album. I but you enjoyed were, it. There were kids in my high school who like were big Dell fans. They knew like all the hieroglyphics. They knew this project. And I was never one of them. Um, I loved it. Like I was telling you, it just clicked a lot of things. Um, having the perspective I have, listening to it now is almost honestly better. Yeah, that's great. Because it really is a timeless album, I feel. Also like Mad Villainy, in that it still sounds good 23 years later. And I'm better at like listening to lyrics now and actually like piecing together the world that he's describing. Yeah, you got to listen to Dell's lyrics. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I'm better at listening to production now. Nice. Thanks to this podcast, so I could really appreciate Dan the Automator and even Kid Koala. Yeah, same. But yeah, it was it was a fun listen. I think I need to go back and listen to more Dell. Definitely. I'm surprised. I would, especially because you like like hyphy music and you lived in the Bay Area. I would well, think you like Dell. For some reason, he's never like hyphy in my head. He's not, but I just, it's like but the yeah. the weird Bay Area. Yeah. And plus he was like, hieroglyphics were like skaters too. And Dell was in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I think that's how I discovered him probably. Well, I think of him as being kind of backpack rap, which I know is kind of like, a, mm -hmm. not derogatory, but it's not the best. Same with like, Doom and Mad Lib. Name for a genre. And Guilty Simpson. And I feel like I never really had a huge era of that. Like I never had a Black Star phase or try to think other like yeah. phases of that. I always liked that and pop stuff too, like in high school. Because like when rap was like, you know, young Jeezy. Yeah, exactly. Young Crow, I was born all those in, uh, people. Mike Jones. Southern. That was what I listened to more. Big bassy. Because even like I talked about this with the book again, but like I wasn't even a big bad villainy fan because I didn't understand it. And like people who like that kind of stuff were always pretentious. Yeah. But I did like it, but I felt like I didn't fully understand it. Like I felt like the people who really liked it were smarter than me and it made me resent them. Yeah, it felt but like Deltron 3030. That's why I feel like it's unique a little too in that it just really connected with me. And I think it's because of the dystopia adolescent connection. The world building. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll pass it back. All right. Well, speaking of which, we can breeze through this one because we're over time. But another talking about technology 
the earth ending, um, the 60s, the fears, and then the influence of Deltron 3030 on another artist I really liked actually in high school, Mr. Liff, who don't quote me, feel like he's from Pennsylvania, might be wrong. And I feel like Guilty Simpson's also from Pennsylvania, but I might be totally off on that. Nah, he's Detroit. Okay, I'm wrong. So don't fact check me on any of the whole podcast minus 100 points leading into mr liff earth crusher song about the nuclear apocalypse but i feel like definitely something like this probably wouldn't have come about without Deltron. Welcome to the hereafter. Government powers in conflict in the world gone sick and they're heavily Who's doing the beat on this? I'm looking at us. Stage witness the force of pure rage while we were all at work trying to earn a wage. The targets are insight innovates. Finally to put to use all of those years of bomb testing and biological questing for better ways to destroy and torment. Now let's feel what we've chosen to invent. Blast off. Everybody staying clear. In the air, the severance here. Thugs, executives, and cops with tasers. Trees are dust, skyscrapers are vapors. Impact. Now nothing is intact. Take cover. We're under attack. Delivering oblivion. One already hit, but look out, here comes another. Earth Crusher. Tax dollars went to, so now they have sent you a demonstration, devastation, four billion degrees of presentation. But I feel like this was a whole thing of that backpack rap era where it's like, or people would say conscious rap, where they would kind of talk about, you know, government conspiracies and all that stuff affecting society and like LP and company flow kind of get like labeled as dystopian rap and definitely like i feel like they're all indebted to deltron definitely atheists now give praise the sounds of nuclear bombs talking about the end of the world which leads me into shakira <laughs> <laughs> Shakira, obviously one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Okay. No, uh, no Shakira, um, in an interview with MTV News, told the story behind one of the songs on this album called Octavo Dia, Eighth Day. And I guess this song, I don't really speak Spanish, so I didn't catch it when I heard it, but thought the backstory was interesting. She said the song talks about God when he created the world. On the eighth day, he went for a walk to outer space. And then when he came back, he found our world in an infernal mess. And he found that we were being controlled and manipulated by just a few leaders and that we were like pieces of a chess game, mm -hmm. which I feel like that weaves webs right back to Deltron, one-to-one -one connection, you know, want to devise a virus to bring dire straits to your environment. You yeah. got the corporation, you got... Uh, now I'm blanking, but there's the news is run by, I think, Microsoft. Yeah, and then, yeah. Like, you're like forced to watch the movie, Canadian movie, Strange Brew. Yeah, yeah, with Bob and Doug McKenzie. <laughs> yeah. There's the Kid Koala influence. They're Kid Exactly. Canada. So, anyways, launching in Octavio, Octavo Dia, Octavo Dia. 
By the way, that sounds like that, um, is it Quinn Stefani or, uh, No Doubt? Don't speak. Oh, wow. Give you the episode. Don't speak. It also sounds like. Oh, it's Dream On. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, Dream On. I was thinking Eminem. <laughs> yeah. Also Eminem. Great voice. Yeah, I was say, great pick. You're showing her range of kind of her yeah. style. Cite Voss is the undisputed banger from the album, though. So on her tour, tour of the mongoose, another animal, there was some controversy because she played this song with a video of George W. Bush and Saddam Hussein playing oh, chess. And then it zooms out that they're... This sounds like Alanis Morissette. Yeah. She's totally like someone who has such a good voice that it doesn't matter what language she's speaking. Yeah. So I guess in the video, it zooms out and you see Bush and Hussein are both being controlled by puppets. And then Damn. they start getting violent and they start playing with nuclear bombs instead of chess pieces. Wow. Or as George W. Bush says, nuclear. <laughs> And then the Grim Reaper appeared behind the two leaders and moved the strings that control the puppet. So this is before 2001, right? No, it had to be after. This was like later, the tour of the Mongoose. Oh, it's later. But I feel like, you know, Shakira taking that political stance very backpack rap of her. She's <laughs> got nothing to lose. The government is controlled for all the puppets playing with nuclear bombs. I was thinking about the apocalypse too, another kind of dystopian thing, the apocalypse. Do you think it's like a natural human thing that we make these like apocalypse myths? even like the bible had an apocalypse thing in it that makes sense it's like a way to grapple with our own mortality is that we think the entire world's gonna end it's a bit like and also civilizations have been wiped out and then came back yeah and i think it's a bit like having origin stories yeah it all makes sense i guess yeah, if we have an origin story, we might as well have the apocalypse story. It's also a weird form of dystopia where it's not necessarily the government who's in charge. 
or like authoritarian humans where it's like the forces of the earth sometimes in an apocalyptic movie are like the like day after tomorrow something like that yeah I'll edit all this out and bump the shkira <laughs>